We're on our third week of talking about the Holy Spirit. And um, for those of you who have come along with us, um, it's a journey of discovery. Just who is the Holy Spirit? What is this role? And today we're particularly going to be talking about, you know, what is this thing called the baptism in the Holy Spirit? And why do I need it? I mean, I have Jesus, right? So why do I need to be, you know, baptized with the Holy Spirit? Um, and we're going to talk about that. In order to do that, I want to distinguish between, between three and, and maybe three and a half, some argue four different baptisms that the Bible speaks about. Did you guys know that the Bible actually talks about four, maybe three and a half different baptisms? And we're going to get into the first three of them in detail, and later on we might speak about the fourth. But uh, um, it's important to just kind of stick with us as we go through this series because they do build on one another. And so in the first sermon series, we, uh, first, series first sermon, we, we learned that you know, the Holy Spirit was involved in the very beginning of everything. He was involved with creation. He was involved with the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He was involved with the beginning of the church ministry. And, and He was also involved in the beginning of your relationship with Jesus. So if you've given your life to Christ, if you have made a decision to make Jesus your Savior and to make Jesus the Lord of your life, that means the Holy Spirit have actually worked on your life in the past already without you even know, knowing it. And uh, in, in, in fact, uh, the, God always wanted us to be connected with Him, right? God always wanted us to have a relationship with Him. And so He wanted it. He told Jesus to go and accomplish it so that it's possible for us to have that. But then it was actually the Holy Spirit that went ahead and brought you out of the kingdom of darkness, brought you out of your sin, and placed you in the kingdom of light, declared you being righteous. It was the Holy Spirit who did the actual work. And we saw in the first sermon just how involved the Holy Spirit is on earth, that He's actually the one carrying the mantle of Emmanuel at this point. Jesus was prophesied to be Emmanuel, God that would be with us. But Jesus thought it would be a good idea for Him to leave and for Him to send somebody else. He thought that'd be a good idea that it wouldn't just be him and a couple of people walking, but that it would be that, but that God will be able to walk with inside of us, that it would be him in all of us walking. And so nobody would have to go find Jesus to do something for them. You can just pray. Because the minute you focus on God, he's there, he's available to ready to answer your prayer if you pray according to his will. And so he thought it would be better. In fact, our theme verse have been John 16, verse 7, that says this. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And so if you trust Jesus, it's a good thing to, to note that he thought that it was a good idea for him to leave us, but to leave us another helper that would work on our behalf, that would be an advocate for us. And we learned in the second series a sermon of the series that the advocate is like, he's the counselor, the encourager, and he is the comforter that comes alongside believers to help undergird their faith, to help them walk strong and boldly as Christians, not being ashamed of who they are, but understanding their righteous nature and understanding their true identity as sons and daughters of God, right? 
And we learned that like, if, if the Holy Spirit on the inside of you can, can fill you to the point of overflowing, that that creates an internal pressure that helps you conquer what's outside. And if, if your internal pressure is higher than the external pressure, you're able to influence it instead of it influencing you and changing you. And, you know, oftentimes I've, I've just seen Christians who, 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 who struggle to walk a consistent walk with God. And they go up and they go down. They go up and they go down. And it's like when the pressures of life hit, it's like they hit rock bottom with it. And God doesn't want us to walk like that. He wants us to walk a solid growth journey with Him where it doesn't matter what's happening on the, on, on the outside of us. We're able to stay consistently following Him. And I, I believe that we can really only do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not something we can conjure up our own strength. And if we try to do it, we'll come up, come up short every now and so often. And that's why I think people, often believers, people that have been born again, revert back to old coping mechanisms. Like they go back to old ways. Because when pressure comes or when heartache comes or when something comes that, that challenges you in life, we all need to cope with that, right? You need to find a way to get through that time. And so, so sometimes people, they, 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 they go back to old relationships that was hurtful, that didn't do them good. Sometimes people go back to old patterns of, of using substances to help cope, alcohol or drugs. And sometimes people just revert back to old ways of getting things done. They revert back to crime to get what they need instead of trusting God. But if you do not have the Holy Spirit to that point in your life where you're filled up on the inside, it might cause you to be able to feel like, man, I can't do this unless I, and then you can pull in the blank, whatever that is, revert back to an old way to make it through this challenging time. God does not want you to go back to old ways when you go through challenges. He wants you to lean on the Holy Spirit. He wants you to fall into the Holy Spirit rather than fall back into sin. And today we're going to talk about much of that. What does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, it, it, it's what gives us the ability as Christians to walk above normal strength when life comes at us. But it also helps us to walk above normal strength when we're helping other people. It enables us with ways to be able to help people that we naturally wouldn't be able to help because we you know, are limited in our knowledge, limited in our love, limited in our energy. And, and the Holy Spirit on, on you can actually invigorate you to a point where you're able to help people in ways that you would naturally not be able to. Some people refer to that as supernatural you know, gifts. I, I like to not refer to it that way because that meaning of that word has been misconstrued and, and, and it's been connected to negative ways of, 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 of doing things, sometimes even fleshly ways of doing things in the, in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, but what it really is meant to do is it's meant to help the body help the body. It's meant to help me become better than me so that I can be of greater service to you. That's why the Holy Spirit came on the early believers because in and of themselves they would not be able to fulfill the Christian mission. In and of themselves they would not be able to follow Jesus like he asked them to follow him. And the Holy Spirit came and empowered them to be able to do what he asked of them in the first place. 
And so it's really, really important that we, that we discuss this topic of baptism in the Holy Spirit. But before we get to that one, let's talk about the other two baptisms that are in Scripture, right? So the first one, according to 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13, is when we are baptized into Christ. We're baptized into Christ. So the word Christ is Messiah. It's the one who saves. And um, the, the, the idea of being baptized into Christ is literally being born again, becoming saved, getting yourself from a place of being excluded from God's family to be included into God's family. So how does that happen? 1 Corinthians 12, 13. We have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Who is that spirit? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the one that took you out of your sinful position before God and placed you in a righteous position before God. That moment, the Bible calls that you were baptized into the body of Christ. And the Holy Spirit performed that baptism. That is called salvation. That's when you realized as a, as a human being that you're unable to save yourself. You cannot save yourself through good works. And, and, and no matter how much you try to, 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 to perform for God to you know, look over your, your, the bad of your life, as human beings, we're never able to tip the scales to the place where my good outweighs my bad. Because, in fact, the Bible clearly tells us that, you know, Jesus was never about making good people better. Jesus came to make dead people alive. A dead person can do nothing for himself. And we need to realize as people, before we've received Jesus' salvation... We're not bad people that just need to become better. We're dead people that can do nothing for ourselves. And that's why we need to be saved. If I could work myself into heaven, I did not need Jesus. But we can't. And so therefore we do need Jesus Christ, who did the, was the only one who could fulfill the good work that God mandated as a payment for our sin and the penalty that came as a result of it. And so the only way that we can be saved is if we make a decision to stop trusting in our own attempts to try and be good. And we just submit ourselves to the way He said that we can be saved. And that's by saying, Jesus, I believe what you did on the cross is a good enough payment for my sin. And I believe that you wanted me to be saved through that. And so I stopped trusting in myself and I only trust in what you did. And based on that trust, based on that decision to have faith in what Jesus did, the Bible says that decision makes a miracle happen. That decision invites the Holy Spirit to bring you out of sin and put you into righteousness. And so that's why the Bible says it's been born, we have been born again. It's not a weird, you know, Christian jargon. It describes what happened to you because you were dead spiritually. But then you were born again spiritually. Now you've been made alive. And that person, uh, every human being is, is created body, soul, and spirit. And when Adam sinned in the garden, the, God said, look, if you eat from this tree that I forbid you to eat, it, you'll die. But we all know that Adam didn't die, right? He still, you know, he still remained alive. So w w what's the situation there? The situation is that God did not refer to physical death. He referred to a spiritual death. And Adam lost his connection with God through that moment. 
How many of you felt that you, know, you lost the connection with somebody before? You lost, he lost his connection with God and he was unable to rectify it because of the severity of that schism that took place, the severity of that break. And only way it could get rectified if a penalty was paid, and that penalty was that somebody had to die. Blood had to flow in order to rectify that. And guess what? If I die for that, then I, I'm just dead. <laughs> There's no more connecting with God. I'm dead. I die. Somebody needed to come and die on our behalf. And that's what made the gospel such an amazing story. Um, because it's, it's actually providing a solution to man's biggest problem. Man's not inerrantly good. Man is inerrantly dead. <laughs> and we need to be made alive. <laughs> and that's the miracle that takes place when we place our trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. And so, um, John 3, verse 5, Jesus is talking to another religious leader of the time. And let me just point out this that sometimes people give up on religion because they get tired of religion not being able to do something for them. And then, with the disillusionment of being tired with religion, um, they just give up. And I don't know if you know of some people that might have given up on religion. And you know what? There was a time in my life where I gave up on religion because it is dead. It cannot save people. Religion is a system where a man needs to save himself through his good works, his compliance to rules and regulations. And Christianity has nothing to do with that. Christianity is not about a, a set of rules that if you can apply to it well enough, you will be saved. Christianity is realizing that I'm never going to be able to comply to all those rules. And therefore, I need somebody to save me. I need somebody to pardon me. Somebody to say, hey, it's okay. I got this. And that's what Jesus did. He told us, look, you're never going to be able to do this right. I'll do it. But if you want to get connected and saved, that's where I want because I want this for you, you have to follow me to gain access to it. And that's what it is. That's why Jesus is our access into, into life. So Jesus tells this religious leader, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. So the most simplest way to understand this is just being born of water is just being born naturally. And being born of the Spirit is when you are made alive spiritually by the power of the Holy Spirit that takes you out of darkness and places you in the kingdom of light. Humans can only produce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. The Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. It was the Holy Spirit that made you become alive in Christ when you decided to put your faith in what He did for you. The second baptism that the Bible refers to is the baptism in water, right? So every believer, once they've been, once they've, every person, once they've become a believer, once they've been made a son of God, goes through a step of obedience by getting baptized. Let's read about that, what Jesus said the disciples needed to go do. He came and told them, look, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And we spoke about that in some of our previous sermons, how God's heart is for all nations, every single nation. And baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, Jesus sent His disciples with this command, go make disciples and baptize them. 
First, they become a disciple, then they get baptized. If you look in Scripture, it's interesting to see how many times Jesus' disciples did baptisms. And actually, Jesus didn't baptize his disciples. His disciples baptized the people that became believers. And because as the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ, it is disciples, it is other believers that baptize us in water. It's the body of Christ that does the baptism in water. And the one is for salvation, but this... This one separates you. How does it separate you? The fact that you take public something that happened privately brings separation. Because all of a sudden, you're declaring outwardly, I am no longer a part of this world. I've become a part of God's kingdom. And that's what happens with us in baptism, is we distinguish between the two worlds. Really, this life is about two worlds. No matter what religion, what country, what, na- what part of the earth you're from. It's about actually about two worlds. A world of people that are not saved and a growing world of people that are, being, that are saved and that are working with God to save more people to this world. And so that separation takes place. And it's important because, look, scripturally, our faith was never meant to be private. I don't know if you were taught like that. I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a church world where my faith was a private matter, something that you never spoke of. It was just between you and God. And they told you there's a couple of things you don't talk about. It's religion, politics, and I can't remember the third. You know. <clears throat> but the problem with that is, is it's not scriptural. Maybe the politics one is. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's not something that we should remain Keep private. It's actually commanded to go public with your faith by getting baptized. And so if you've never been baptized in water after you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, you've really not been baptized. Because a baptism is a declaration in public of something that happened privately. Now, it doesn't matter what you tell me, but before a child reaches an age of around about seven, eight, nine-ish, they really don't understand the fact that they're sinful and that they need salvation to be able to say, Jesus, save me. And it's only really once a child have reached that age where they are cognizant of their sinfulness and their need for salvation that they can cry out to Jesus to save them that they can then be baptized. If they decide, look, I want to, I am sure and certain of what I believe, I'm going to take a stand and I'm going to make a public declaration that I've, I've, I've decided to follow Jesus. And so sometimes people make it about age. Sometimes people make it about, you know, process. It's none of that. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of whether that child reached a point of faith in their life where they can truly and honestly say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Then they can make a public declaration of that inward reality. And that's why you need to be baptized as a believer and not, not, not in any ways else. This is an, a separate experience. And even though um, it is not required for salvation, it is required if you want to walk with God and you want to make Him your Lord. Because here's what the Bible says. Anyone who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. The, the thing is that when, when, the, when the Holy Spirit, when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, that moment that faith ignited in your heart that I believe Jesus died for me and he's going to save me. That moment you got born again. In other words, you got taken out of the kingdom of darkness and you got, it's not by your own effort. 
It's by nothing you have done. It's not even by the fact that you obeyed God in doing something that He commanded. It's purely by grace through your faith that you got saved. It's not from any works so that no one can have a one-up on anybody else. I can tell anybody, well, I'm, a more, I'm a more of a Christian than you because I got baptized. No, there's none of that. I'm a Christian, same as you. doesn't matter where you are in your growth journey. Once you've put your faith in Jesus, you're included. But baptism is very definitely a step of obedience. It's, it's coming to that place where you realize, well, now that I've been saved, my life don't belong to me anymore. I, am, I belong to somebody who bought me with a very expensive price. That price was his life. And so now I accept his leadership in my life. And instead of leading my own way and thinking my own, I can, I can guide myself, I submit to his leadership in my life. And I follow what the scriptures guide me in to do because I know that his way is always going to be the best way. So now I start stepping out in obedience to him. And the first thing that he asks, when, you're, when you've repented, be baptized. Make a public declaration thereof. And so even though this is kind of a thing that people struggle with, um, this is not even where we're meant to stop. Because there's a third baptism, and potentially a, some theologians would argue that it's 3.1 and 3.2. Um, others say it's a complete one on its own. Um, that's, not the, that's, not, that's, not, that's not a big issue for us today. But the third baptism is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And um, I want to read us uh, from Matthew 3 where John the Baptist is talking. And he says this, I baptize you with water. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. It's a baptism of repentance. But someone is coming soon who's actually greater than I, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and carry his sandals. He, this person, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There's number three and four, or 3.1 and 3.2. Baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So if you've ever trusted Jesus, I want to call on you to trust him now also. First, Jesus says, it's to your benefit that I go away because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Then John declares that Jesus wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you with the presence and the power of this, new, this person that is going to come in his stead to walk with you, to guide you, to encourage you, and to enable you to do whatever he has called you to do. So we see all throughout Acts that this baptism is just so prevalent in the early church. And Peter declares in another scripture that this gift is not just for us here. Therefore, all who are even far away, and then he extends it even further than that to say, for all whom the Lord your God will call. Now the Bible declares that no one comes unto the Father unless he's called. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit has been doing His job on earth by convicting you of your sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And you're a Christian because the Holy Spirit has called you into the family of God. You cannot come into the family of God unless the Holy Spirit calls you. Now, we do know that He calls everybody, 
But that just means that everybody who accepts Jesus is also called to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Is also called to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to fulfill God's mission on earth. And to make sure that all the ends of the earth are being reached in His call to make, in His commission for us to go make disciples. So that means that you have been called by Christ to step into a relationship with Him, but also to be filled by His Holy Spirit. And it doesn't even matter how old you are. If you're a Christian, you can be filled. Like Joy started speaking, um, Joyce received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and started speaking in tongues when she was, she was six years old. We're praying with our other two daughters. They're, they're there and they're not there and they're like kind of figuring it out still, but, but, they're, but they're engaging it and they, they ask for it. And it's important that we know that this Holy Spirit is not for you when you reach a particular point, you know, of, oh, I'm not that good of a Christian yet. No, it's when, it's when you've been made righteous, you qualify. Because you're not made righteous because of your own works and your own performance. You're made righteous because of your faith. And because of the grace work of Jesus Christ. And so in Christ you qualify. You're there. And He wants it for you. He wills it for you. So in Acts, um, we see how the, how, the, how, the, how the early disciples went about ministering to people about the Holy Spirit. And the emphasis here is important because, um, because it sh- shares something about the necessity of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, in other words, they believed the gospel. They believed that Jesus died on the cross on behalf of them, and they needed to repent of their sins and believe in Jesus Christ. Um, They accepted the word. They sent Peter and John to them. When Peter and John arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. And they'd simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus, which means that they became born again. They were baptized in water as a public declaration of their faith. And Peter and John came. And after that, they prayed for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit as a separate, additional um, moment, an experience that, that they received something from God that, was not hap- that did not happen at salvation. Now, it's important to note that the Bible clearly says that the Holy Spirit indwells our, the innermost sanctuary of our hearts, but at salvation, He comes and takes up residence in our, in our, in our homes. And He's not referring in our hearts. He's not referring to the, the cardiac organ. He's referring to our innermost being, spiritually speaking, our, our hearts, our innermost being. The Bible is very clear that God does not live in, in temples made by human hands, but He lives within the sanctuary of our hearts, which means that um, He comes and takes residence, but He does not necessarily take leadership until we submit and relinquish leadership to Him. And the process of letting the Holy Spirit lead us and leading a spiritually led life is a process of submitting more and more to His guidance in our lives. And I believe being baptized in the Holy Spirit helps us to make that transition from physical leadership to spiritual leadership. Jesus had to help his disciples to realize that, hey, I can't be with you always. You're going to have to learn how to be led spiritually and no longer physically. And for each and every one of us, that is a transition we need to make. We need to get to that point where we understand how to be led by the Spirit of God and not just be led by people that are leaders in our lives or 
for instance, Jesus, which used to physically lead his disciples, but then he gave them the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit could lead them further. So sometimes we replace Jesus' leadership with human leadership. And, and, and if the human leadership isn't careful, they can disciple people unto them. And unfortunately, you see that with many, many, many people. What happens is the, 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 the physical spiritual leader becomes the, this, thus saith the Lord kind of, you know, it, uh, takes that position in people's lives. And they follow that individual. Well, God did not call spiritual leaders, humans, to disciple people unto themselves. He called us to disciple people unto Christ. And that means that we need to teach you guys how to transition from physical leadership to spiritual leadership. And if my leadership lines up with the Spirit's leadership, you'll follow me. If it doesn't, something's going to start irking you. Something's going to start bothering you. Because you're going to find that "Mm -mm, this is not what the Bible says. And the Holy Spirit leads through what the Bible says, nothing else. And so my pursuit needs to be, Lord, help me to line up with what your word says. Help me to not short sell it. Help me to not make it into something that it's not supposed to be. Help me to stay stuck to your word. And that's our commitment. That's our attempt here throughout this series is to center us in scripture about what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. But that, needs, that means that I'm going I'm to lead you guys to getting by the Holy Spirit because that's what Jesus wanted. And that's what he came to do. In, 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 um, that's that's what, he, what he wanted to do with his disciples once, they, once he, he went to heaven. All right, so if it was enough for us to just you know, believe and be water baptized, then Peter and John would have never gone there and said, hey, let, let's pray for you for the Holy Spirit. They would have just gone, glad you guys are going to heaven with us. Let's have a party. Um, but no, they were like, no, 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 this is not done. We have to get you guys baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's part of the spiritual growth journey that each Christian is called into. God wants to constantly encourage you to receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you know, the Bible talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit being a continuous filling of the Spirit. It's not just, there is a moment where you receive it, but after that, it's a continuous filling. It's a continuous fellowship with the Holy Spirit that keeps encouragement and refreshment and counsel levels high in your life that makes you able to walk this journey. So we want to share a story from Scripture real quick that is just amazing how, um, how you see the impact that happened when the Holy Spirit came <clears throat> into the picture. First, Acts 18. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, verse 24 and 26, an eloquent speaker who knew the Scriptures well had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit. Eloquent speaker, great orator, taught with accuracy, taught with enthusiasm. However, he only knew about John's baptism. So when Priscilla and Aquila, these were disciples of Paul, heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside. And it says, they explained the way of God even more accurately. He was preaching the message about Jesus Christ and salvation accurately but he had not heard about the holy spirit 
Let's jump to the jump a whole chapter ahead to um, a time when when Paul comes into the same city. Um, Paul ministers, and this is what happens. The story of what happens spread quickly throughout Ephesus to Jews, Greeks alike, and solemn fear descended on the city. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. Imagine all the traitors of Louisiana come together and burn their salts and their, and their vials and, their, and their, the books and all those kinds of things. Imagine all the pimps and all the drug, drug pushers coming and burning their drugs uh, and, 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 and you know, uh, tearing up their contracts with people. Imagine all the people who have unrighteous businesses that are lined up on our freeways just come and say, I'm closing my business, that I'm saying no to my income, I'm saying no to my sustenance because something on the inside of me happened. I can no longer continue this practice. Imagine that happening in our town and in our region. That's what this describes. This is what happened. The value of the books was several million, several million dollars. So the message of the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. What happened between a guy that came, spoke with eloquence and accuracy, and all of a sudden, people just burning evil, demonic practices? What happened in the middle? Let's, let's go to Acts 19, the beginning of this verse. While Apollos was in Corinth... Paul traveled through the interior and he reached Ephesus, the same city. He found believers. He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And what baptism did you experience? He asked them. They said, John's baptism. Paul said, that baptism is called for repentance from your sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, Jesus As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They believed the message. They were baptized in water. And then Paul laid his hands on them. And the Spirit of God came on them. And they spoke in other tongues. And they prophesied. All of a sudden, something got sparked in that city that led to the gospel spreading, people's lives transforming, and people stopping practices that before didn't happen. And that is what happens when the Holy Spirit comes and gets to work His will and way into a place. Not the flesh of man, not man trying to elevate himself or trying to do stuff you know, that makes himself look great. But if the Holy Spirit is truly allowed to work the kingdom of God into people's hearts, that's what can happen. If salvation and water baptism was enough to live the life God wanted them to live, Paul would never have asked further questions. Paul would have found the believers and said, hey, glad y'all going to heaven with me. Let's make sure that we get others too. He would not have asked the question, but have you received the Holy Spirit? Somehow it was known that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was necessary for the accomplishment of the mission that God had laid above or laid on the church to accomplish. The difference between chapter 18 and chapter 19 is not a human difference. It's an it's a, it's a, it's a above natural in. Um, uh, intervention. God the Holy Spirit came and He ignited a fire that burned evil out of that place. You know, so, so many times I, I find Christians who are they just they become weary in their walk with God. And they, you know, and 
I ask them, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And so many times they say, no, I haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, I, and, and sometimes they say, yes, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I say, when last have you actually pursued fellowship with the Holy Spirit, prayed in your spiritual language? No, I've, I, I haven't done that for the last, I don't know how long. I'm like, all right, it's time for you to re-engage that. Because that is the gift God gave us to stay on course, to stay strong, to stay filled, to stay energized, to stay encouraged. Even though pressure around us is mounting, like, like Paul said, we were crushed, but we were not destroyed. We were pressed, but not crushed. Persecuted, but we were not abandoned. We were struck down, but we were not destroyed. To live that kind of life, you need a greater reality on the, in- on the inside of your life than you can get as a human alone. In Luke 24, 49, it says, Now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay in the city till He comes to fill you with power from heaven. I want to ask my wife to come and share just um, two, three minutes on just her experience, what happened, what changed in her life as she got, as she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Go for it, babe. Um, so I grew up in a traditional Christian home. And uh, when... I got introduced to the Holy Spirit. I thought this is weird. And, um, you know, so someone did, a lot of people at the same time prayed for me. But as I was standing there, I just kind of decided that no matter what happens, I will, even if I do feel that I receive a prayer language or whatever, I will not show anyone (laughs) that anything happened. Hashtag pride. (laughs) Anyway, um, let's forget that hashtag. And, uh, but I also didn't pursue my relationship with God at that time. I was saved and all of that, but nothing, you know. And it was about two years later when I realized that I had to commit to this relationship with Jesus, had an uh, encounter with Him, and uh, just decided that He should be the Lord of my life. And then I realized that that day, two years ago, that time, when those people prayed for me to receive the Holy Spirit, it was like they gave me a gift that I just carried with me the whole time. It never opened up. Sure. So I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I received the prayer language, but I was just, you know, not opening up that gift, just carrying it with me, never knowing what amazing present I got that day. So when I, when I decided to follow Jesus, pursue this relationship with him, I started opening up that gift. And um, many things, everything changed. That really changed the whole situation for me. I um, started to read, when I read the Bible, at first, I was like, this is like, oh, my soul, you know, why, who reads this thing, and why do you read it? Um, but then it started to make sense, there was life in it, because it's as if God gave me new eyes, and there was just life in it. And also, um, I prayed in my prayer language, and I started hearing God's voice uh, clearly, you know, for, for myself, for other people. And then also the fear of sharing my faith with people disappeared. I um, wasn't ashamed anymore of ser- tell people that I do serve God, that I'm a committed Christian, I love Jesus. All of those things happened when I opened up that gift mm. that I received two years earlier that I was just carrying with me. So for me, the Holy Spirit changed everything. But I had to take that step. I had yeah. to allow him to be in my life. Um, he... Like J.D. said, he's, God is a gentleman. He won't force you into some, anything. And he won't just say, okay, there you have it. You know, you didn't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, babe. 
So this is, this is today's an opportunity where we can all respond to this call, this desire. And I want you guys to, to just, where you're at, just consider this for a little bit. We want to pray with you guys to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And some of you have been prayed over and you have not received any, like, you know, uh, spiritual language to pray in. If you desire that, come again. Let's pray again. Let's trust God again. Sometimes it's, it's, just a little, it's just a little process of just figuring out how do I, how do I not operate in my, my, my mind? And how do I allow my spirit to, to lead and to produce? Um, words and language that becomes a blessing that builds me up in my most holy faith as, as the Bible declares um, but for those of you who have never been prayed over to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you desire that now we're going to be talking about this for the next three weeks still so there's going to be more opportunities um, to, to respond to this but if you feel man I've been I, I'm ready I, I've been desiring this and uh, like the one person in the, in the morning so early so service said I just want everything that Jesus has to give me. If you're there, you want to, to take that step today. We want to invite y'all, as we leave, to just come to the front and, and, and we're going to pray with you. I want to read this verse over us all and speak it over our church. The amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit will be with each and every one of us as we go. Father, thank you that you go with us. Thank you, Lord, that you keep ministering to us even as we leave and that you will never leave us, never forsake us, that you're always there. I pray during this week that you'll make yourself real to people, that, that you will even tug on people's heartstrings even, even, even stronger.